0: folks and welcome to episode number 298 of Unscripted with Mike and Chris as we uh, happily march along to our 300th episode and uh, I'm not a math major as you all know but that makes us about three episodes, two episodes away. So see I couldn't even get from 300 to 298. Um, Obviously a lot of things to talk about and the big thing would be the the biggest of ticket items today would be What's happening on Sunday evening from Atlanta, Georgia, uh, the Mercedes-Benz, well, it's not the Superdome, it's the Mercedes-Benz Superdome in New Orleans, I don't know what the, in Atlanta, Mercedes-Benz,
1: I don't know, dealership, I don't know whatever what is
0: do you know the name I, which one of atlanta i mean it's mercedes-benz
1: it's but just the mercedes-benz dome dome and then new orleans and mercedes-benz super right, i knew that yeah, in new yeah. orleans
0: but yeah. i didn't know about the
1: yeah. the new one in
0: atlanta so new england um we have seen this morning and, and as we're broadcasting here on wednesday the 30th of january um pretty nice day all and told in calgary um New England, somewhere between two and a half to three points, is a slight favorite in the upcoming 53rd Super Bowl happening on Sunday between the NFC champion Los Angeles Rams and the AFC champion New England Patriots. Uh, By the end of this episode, we'll have made a pick as to who we have a gut feeling will win the 53rd Super Bowl to be played on Sunday. Tom Brady, what is this for him? Number what? eight or nine super bowl i don't know it seems like he's in it every flipping year I, I think it's
1: the ninth think super it's bowl nine, for him, yeah you know. i think
0: it is too i think and if he wins i think it's his fifth or sixth so um interesting to see there we'll talk about the obviously the big game um news and notes from the nba uh anthony davis who quite arguably folks at seven feet tall is maybe the best basketball player in the nba pound for pound size for size i mean the things that he can do I mean, obviously LeBron is there and and all my favorites, but Anthony Davis at seven feet is really, he is really something because of his ability at seven feet to handle the ball like he does, shoot it from the outside like he does, and still be a presence underneath the basket. And he, of course, has asked for a trade. Uh, We can talk about that. Um, I'm still trying to figure out how the Boston Celtics can't get involved, though, until after July 1. And it has something to do with Kyrie Irving's contract. And you can't have similar contracts on a roster at the same time. I don't know. But there's something about that. But basically, uh, Rich Paul, who is the uh, agent for Anthony Davis, and he of course happens to also be the agent for one LeBron James, um, they are basically giving the LA Lakers a free 10-day pass, I think, until the trading deadline of February the 7th to get a deal done. Um, so we can certainly talk about that. Um, we've got some UFC news to talk about. Um, I want to talk about some unique head coaches and I would start with Greg Popovich of the San Antonio Spurs from his very brief, very brief press conference after their team's win on Tuesday night against the Phoenix Suns. They win the game and then Popovich says the Suns got robbed after a pathetic play by his team, the San Antonio Spurs and San Antonio won the game pretty harsh. Chris will have an update on a couple of uh, big news stories going on as we speak in regard to the UFC involving our buddy Khabib, John Jones, Conor McGregor, all the boys involved. Obviously, we've got to talk some National Hockey League. Is there anybody out in the world, not just in the National Hockey League? This story, of course, resonates from the National Hockey League because it involves one of their superstars. But is anybody on the planet Earth this year having more fun than Alexander Ovechkin. He is unbelievably... And it's just fun watching him have fun. So we can talk about that. We have a brother, a new brother rivalry in the Canadian Football League. Dave Dickinson, the current head football coach of the now-defending Grey Cup champion Stanley uh, Calgary Stampeders. His brother, Craig, is now the head coach of the Saskatchewan Ref Riders. So it'll be interesting to see brother versus brother in what I think is the best rivalry in the Canadian Football League. I mean, I know about Edmonton, Calgary, and I know about Winnipeg and, and Saskatchewan. And what do they call it? The Hillbilly Bowl or the, or the Banjo, banjo bowl. bowl. That's it, the Banjo Bowl. But pure football, I think the best rival in the Canadian Football League is Calgary and Saskatchewan. Especially when the game is in Saskatchewan and all the Saskatchewan people come over and they fill up the stadium and you think you're sitting in downtown Regina. The only difference is in downtown Regina, there's a beautiful stadium. In downtown Calgary, is a piece of shit on Crowchild Trail. Uh, pitchers and catchers. I know I wasn't supposed to talk about pitchers and catchers, but I'm sitting here thinking here, folks, we're two weeks away, basically, from when pitchers and catchers are due to report to a spring training camp near you in Arizona and Florida, and the two biggest names still remaining on the free agent front are still the two biggest names that were there at the end of October, or excuse me, end of early November at the conclusion of the World Series. Is anybody going to sign Manny Machado or Bryce Harper? I really don't give a damn, but it would be nice to see. I think there's a little bit of collusion going on in Major League Baseball. i just throw that out there. Um, National Hockey League, you know what I think about power rankings, but I thought that my friend and partner here would like to hear what NHL.com has for the top five candidates right now for the Norris trophy. That's called a tease. I'm not going to tell you. Chris knows where I'm going with this. So that's all that really matters. Big trade between the LA Kings and the Toronto Maple Leafs. The Kings have officially thrown the towel. They're done for the year. And this, this trade will really help. I believe, especially the back end of the Toronto Maple Leafs moving forward. But, A lot of things to talk about, and we'll get to all of it. And we thank you for joining us again on this 298th episode of Unscripted. But we start in Jane Goodell's Husband's League. And um, National Football League's premier event is about, what, four sleeps away? And it'll see the Los Angeles Rams in the... And it's fun to say Los Angeles Rams. I'm sorry, Greg. I have great respect for you, but it never sounded right when it was the St. Louis Rams. Never did. I don't think
1: he cares about that anyway. Well, no, but I'm just saying it
0: just sounds great to see the Los Angeles Rams and in the Super Bowl for the first time since 1979 season when they lost to the Pittsburgh Steelers and Jack Youngblood played on a broken leg. And um, I don't remember if Eric Dickerson was on that team or not. Doesn't matter. They lost. Um, But it's great to say Los Angeles Rams, but it's even better to say in the Super Bowl again. That is really good, and congratulations to everybody. You know what? I want the Rams to win. I do not want the New England Patriots to win, but I have a funny feeling. I really do, and it's... I don't know. Greg's not going to like it, but I really want the Rams to win because I just despise the Patriots, and I'm sick of the Patriots. But my God, we're going to have to hear... About how great Belichick is and how great Brady is, and yada, 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 yada. And after a while, it's just enough to want to hang yourself. Um, but I want to start there. Obviously, that is the marquee. The marquee game of the week is Super Bowl 53 from uh, Mer- Mercedes Benz Dome in downtown Atlanta. And um, get your thoughts on uh, what you're looking forward to, besides hopefully a good game. I'd like to see a good game, but I'd like to see the Los Angeles Rams ahead. If if it's only by a point, it doesn't matter. After 60 minutes, if they're up 21 to 20, they win. Congratulations. But uh, I bring in the executive producer of Unscripted for his unsolicited comments about (laughs) um, upcoming Super Bowl 53 on Sunday from Atlanta.
1: Well, I just cracked open a lovely club soda, which is about as exciting as Tom Brady being in the Super Bowl again. (laughs) And uh, yeah, so anyway... uh, you know what? It's I'm really glad, as I said recently on Unscripted, that the Patriots are favored. I don't want them being underdogs and getting all excited. Uh, I think this is really working out well for the Rams because really any sort of model you do that would set a point spread based purely on the facts and not based on how humans are going to bet would have the Rams favored in this. From uh, you know, I saw some people calculating it at about uh, Rams minus uh, one. If you do the DVOA calculations. It's got the Rams favored by at least two and a half, if not more. You can be, you can get Rams plus three right now with about minus one twenty juice at certain places online. Uh, so uh, yeah, I mean, if you like the Rams, make sure you get a plus three. I'd for sure say that if you're betting the point spread. Uh, lots of great props out there as well too. Lots of interesting ones. And uh, um, yeah, we can maybe what I'll do is on one of the next episodes this week, maybe I'll look up some fun Super Bowl prop bets yeah. because uh, I remember the one year. One of the one of the ones was, I think it was when Reggie Bush was in the Super Bowl and he was dating Kim Kardashian. And one of them was, what color shirt is Kim Kardashian going to wear? And I think, like, a black shirt was, like, minus 120 or, like, the favorite. And there's all the I different I wonder ones. what
0: the prop was on no shirt. Uh, oh, yeah.
1: <laughs> well, the... Uh, if uh, reggie bush would have won it would have been pretty good but mm. yeah no I, I like when they do like the color gatorade that's going to get dumped for the gatorade mm-hmm. shower in the winning coach and the like, yellow is usually the favorite because yellow is the best one of course followed by orange any other gatorade flavor is a distant third at best and so yeah but anyway uh i'm looking forward to this and i think the rams have a great chance i think if you look at the matchups uh they really match up well this is going to be a coach adjustment festival is what this is going to be if you want to see two great coaches going at it toe to toe move for move like a chess match this is a great game to watch i think here the rams are clearly the superior team if you're honest about it but the patriots you just never know anytime belichick's there and uh you know brady if he's playing well and he's accurate and executing belichick's master plan then that's great but i'm feeling actually pretty good about the rams Really want them to win. I know our buddy Greg has been waiting 17 years for this ever since the <laughs> ever since the last time these two met in the Super Bowl and uh, Brady threw for five yards uh, and got the MVP for some reason. And uh, so ever since then, it's been uh, it's been quite the rivalry for a lot of people, not just Greg. And uh, I really hope that the LA Rams can exercise their old demons from 17 years ago, and hopefully we get yet another loss in the Super Bowl for Tom Brady who, uh, you know, is, uh, you know, they keep talking about J- Jared Goff being a system quarterback. I'm going to say that Tom Brady is a system quarterback. Fuck you, Tom.
0: And I just want to clarify one thing. And, and obviously I knew that the, these teams had played previously as great, uh, as, uh, Chris just mentioned 17 years ago in the super bowl. And, uh, the Rams came up, what, about one yard short? Was, no, that was, no, that's that when was they the won. Rams and against the that's Titans. That's when they beat right. the Titans. But Titans, no, they, they but lost it, by three. Yeah. Right, but that was Tom Brady's first Super Bowl win. Yes. But that was when they were the St. Louis Rams. And yes. it's been since 1979 that the Los Angeles Rams yes. have represented the NFC in the Super Bowl. And I echo uh, Chris's comments. I want to see the Los Angeles Rams win. But folks, I got to tell you, if there's something that we have learned through this Bill Belichick regime and all the years that he has been in Boston, never count him out. And I really believed that, and I've said this, and, and Chris has been here to listen to it, that if this was the year for an AFC team, I thought this was the year for somebody else. Meaning, I know it's supposed to be the Los Angeles Chargers, but I thought it San Diego had a shot. I thought that Kansas City, especially at home, had a shot, and here they are again. So, and I also found it interesting this week that the two head coaches have had at least weekly communication between each other via text, where uh, Belichick would send a text to Sean McVay complimenting him on his game plan or how his defense performed or how his offense performed in a certain game. And, and they did that weekly. And so um, Belichick comes off sometimes as a bit of a, you know. Curmudgeon. Thank you. A great word. Um, but obviously within the coaching fraternity, and rightfully so, he is well-respected and uh, very nice that he sends notes out to Sean McVay. And think about it this way. Belichick is almost seventy, late sixties. Sean McVay is thirty-one, and that I think that shows great respect to Sean McVay that Bill Belichick takes time out to send him a note as a congratulations. And uh, I think you know, again, we have a lot of different creative adjectives for Coach Belichick, but winner is one, and seemingly within the coaching fraternity, a word that I think they all would use is respected in regard to Belichick. We can sit here and baba and boo-boo and all the other stuff about him, and we're sick about seeing the Patriots again, but there's something about them, boys. They And you know what? I would not, you know, we want the Rams to win, but I would not be surprised if the Patriots found a way. I just, I don't know. This is the big stage, and there is a lot of talent on that Rams team, no question, and guys that have been in big games before. Talib, uh, the list goes on and on of guys that they've acquired, except of course Endamic and Sue. Mm. But there's a list of guys that have been on big in in big games with this, on this roster. But it's got to be different when you're playing in a in a in a Super Bowl. A lot of these guys will be their first Super Bowl on the Rams side, and I just hope that somebody doesn't muff a punt or somebody doesn't you know make a stupid play that you could get away with in the preseason or the regular season but it gets magnified a thousand times if it's on the day that it is the most viewed sporting event in the world and for that day the world is tuned in to these two teams and i just hope that something doesn't happen to the rams You know, they're all trying, but I'm saying something mistakes, the nerves take over, something like that. And I hope that's not the deciding factor. And that would be the one way I could see the New England Patriots with all their experience. That would be the one way that they could maybe come in here and steal one away from the L.A. Rams.
1: Well, I'm expecting really big things from a couple of Rams players, especially, and they are the obvious usual suspects. I'm expecting Todd Gurley to show why he is the best running back in the world. And I'm expecting Aaron Donald to show why he's the The best best player, maybe the best player, certainly the best defensive player in the world. For sure. I expect both of them to step up big time. I love they have C.J. Anderson there well, as well, but I don't think they're going to promote uh, or feature him over. I think Todd Gurley is going to be fine oh, with and, his and, I, and I
0: totally agree with you, but I didn't mean to interrupt, but I do want to say this. C.J. Anderson's experience in games of this magnitude may be very helpful Yeah, to the Los Angeles Rams over the duration of the four quarters.
1: Yeah, he recently C.J. Anderson tweeted something like uh, when they made the Super Bowl, he said... Tell Elway, haha, ha yeah. <laughs> So, <laughs> funny. But CJ Anderson does have a ring from just three years ago yep. in Denver. And uh, he's looked great. And I don't know why people weren't signing him and featuring him. I, I'm just shocked by that. And the Rams got a steal of a deal. And what a nice insurance policy, even if Gurley has some sort of problem, to have Anderson at that wrecking ball back there. But I think they're, you're going to see, obviously, it's the Super Bowl. You don't have to hold back anything. You can just go 100% balls to the wall here. And I expect both those players to really be on the top of their game. It's an interesting thing, though, about the spread and the Vegas uh, odds, because Vegas is definitely cheering for the Rams, because literally 80% of the money is coming in on the Patriots, which is an absurd amount, and it's almost like Vegas knows something that the rest of us don't, because sometimes lines are too good to be true, and the Sharps just kind of let it go, and the books just let it go. And you'd think that with that much money coming in, you would, and that most of that's at like minus two and a half. It's not even a full field goal that they're mm-hmm. giving up. So, really, you would think they'd at least put the Patriots to minus three, minus four. Because, really, if you do that, are most, most of those people are still going to bet on the Patriots. Oh, for sure. They're just betting Patriots, Patriots, minus right. whatever. I don't care. They're going right. to crush everybody. So, and, and the Rams don't even deserve to be and, there. And part of the, a lot of the money that comes down on
0: this game, in particular, more than any other, is first-time bettors, inexperienced bettors that are betting for the jersey color or they're girls that are betting for Tom Brady because he's Tom Brady and he looks good and all this other stuff. And there's a lot of people that this might be the only bet they place this whole year would be on the Super Bowl, not knowing, obviously, all the stuff that you know, but not knowing really what makes the the little engine that could run in Vegas. There's a lot of first-time and only-time bettors
1: that will actually place a wager for this football game. Absolutely, and that's a great point. And so the fact that they're not making more of an adjustment with the line suggests that they're not too worried about it. And again, if you look on paper, and I know there's so much more to it than that, But if you look on paper, really the Rams have the matchup edge almost everywhere. And I mean, you can say that the Patriots have the better quarterback, but in terms of matchups, I mean, what do immobile and he is immobile folks he just hit a thousand yards rushing after like 80 years in the league no this is cool in the pocket bullshit like the guy oh he can oh he took two steps forward he's really good at stepping up in the pocket fuck off anyway so it's so stupid anyway Tom Brady is an immobile quarterback yep and what do immobile quarterbacks hate they hate interior pressure up the middle who's better at that than anyone else Aaron Donald and how about Indomitian Sue? and how about Dante Fowler who oh I don't know ran up the middle and caused Drew Brees to throw an interception in overtime and that we all saw how that went and without that maybe the uh, Saints just keep marching down the field and win the game and get rid of all the controversy so look that interior pressure is terrifying from the Rams and that's going to be a problem for Tom Brady both teams have excellent offensive lines Mm -hmm. but really if you if you're looking at matchup edges it's really looking at the it's looking like the Rams have the edge across the board almost exclusively and uh, they should win on paper and there's so much more to it especially with the Patriots but Uh, I'm feeling pretty good. But the fact is, uh, if the Patriots win and cover, uh, there could be some bodies buried in the Nevada desert from the uh, casinos. So Mm -hmm. you want to watch out for that. But uh, the fact that they're not making more of a correction uh, is actually very encouraging to me. And uh, I I like the Rams quite a bit here.
0: Um, It'll be interesting to see that um, the cornerback from the Rams. I wish he wouldn't have done this, though. And I really believe... Just one footnote to what Chris was just saying. I think one of the keys, and if you are just joining us, we welcome you to this 298th episode of Unscripted. The keys are going to be, and and I think one of the players that we're going to have to watch. I know that Belichick has great respect for Aaron Donald. He isn't the great coach that he is without having respect for quite arguably the best player in the National Football League. But a big player in this game is going to be that piece of crap and I'm sorry, Greg, but I am not a fan of Andmic and Sue.. And he is going to be a player because if Belichick has to double Donald, that's going to make Sue have it's going to open up some avenues for him to make a difference in this game. And I believe a lot of that will have to do is with what the interior, the center and the two guards of the New England Patriots do. You don't stop Aaron Donald. You try to slow him down. And if you slow him down enough for Rams fans, you've got to hope that and Sue is ready to take a lead role and put some pressure because the best way to get to Tom Brady is right up the middle, I think. And uh, if you can put some pressure on him, and uh, Chris just hit it right on the head. He's about as you know mobile as a dead turtle. Um, I, I think the Rams would really, really benefit from that. But I wanted to say this before I, I hand it back over. I was disappointed that the corner—I can't remember his name. It was the hyphenated name that had the controversial call in the New Orleans game. Nickel Roby Coleman. Thank you very much. He was the kid that made the comment, and I don't know exactly what it was, but it was something about Tom Brady's age or something like that. I wish he wouldn't have said Yeah, that. I don't like Bulls and I don't like—exactly. And yeah, that would be the one thing that Professor Belichick would use as— I mean, these guys have seen how many Super Bowls and how many AFC Championship games they've been in all the big ones, but you would start insulting the guy. That might have been a mistake, and I bet you, I would bet my last quarter, and we're really much closer to that last quarter than you think, folks, I would bet my last quarter that Sean McVay probably, or maybe Wade Phillips, had a little word with that cornerback mm-hmm. telling him to keep his damn mouth yeah. shut till after the game.
1: Yeah. And if you notice Bill Belichick he didn't he never says much in his press conferences anyway. He's saying even less mm-hmm. uh, in the lead up to the Super Bowl and that's interesting. But just to uh, finish off on the how do you beat Tom Brady type thing. Uh, there's really three things for me. And number one is what we said, interior pressure up the middle. Number two is, I think, how the Giants won both Super Bowls against them, which is generate a lot of pressure from anywhere mm-hmm. without blitzing. Right. And I think that the Rams do have the personnel to do that, because when you blitz and you're taking extra personnel, Brady can find a way to pick that apart and take yep. advantage of where you're leaving yourself open. Great point. Right. And so I think that that's what the Giants were able to do so well with all their great... Uh, Pass rushers back in the day on those two Super Bowls when Eli somehow went two and zero against the against Brady and Belichick, which I'm very thankful for. But it wasn't because of Eli; it was because of the defense. But um, and then the third thing that I also think is important is. Brady seems to really pick apart zone defenses and the Rams do not play a zone defense, right? right? Which I really, really like. So all three things that I think are key to beating a Tom Brady-led offense uh, play right into the hands of the Rams. The number one thing I would do if I was Wade Phillips, besides all those things we talked about, which are fairly inherent to his scheme anyway, uh, I would just really hope he has a plan for James White. I think I think James White, they're going to try to get James White 15 receptions in this game, I think, and really try to use him. Uh, the Rams are somewhat weak to pass catchers uh, coming out of the backfield, running backs. And I think that... Uh, and it because their linebackers are probably the least impressive thing about that Rams defense. So I think that's something to really watch for. But if they can shut down James White and do all those other things, I think the Patriots are going to be in real tough there. And then as long as on the other side of the ball, you have Sean McVay and Jared Goff clicking. I think they're a great team, and they work really well together. We saw in the Saints game, and it might have just been a technical malfunction, but there was that one play that nearly cost the Rams the game against the Saints, where uh, Jared Goff couldn't hear what McVay was telling right. him. Yeah. And so, uh, and and you know, you see him go over, and McVay's like, didn't couldn't you hear what I was saying? Right. Like, And then McVay just says, oh my God, like I just... You know, he thought it was he thought that like technical glitch was going <laughs> to screw them. I mean, how brutal would that be if, you know, your mic cutting out screws you out of a Super Bowl appearance or something. So, uh, but I mean because of all those reasons, I think the Rams match up really, really well against Tom Brady and uh, and I hope that they can execute to uh, take advantage of that.
0: Now, there was something and and I I don't make much of this, but it seems to have made the story circuit prior to this playing of the 53rd Super Bowl on Sunday from Atlanta, but coincidentally or not, I'll let you decide, our educated and sophisticated listeners of Unscripted, and yes, I am including you and Ryan and Greg in that, Um little shot there at Ryan. Ryan, <laughs> it was funny because Ryan sent us a note on our Patreon page this week that he thought he was sick or something was wrong with him because he agreed with something that we said, so... We're finally getting into into Ryan's subculture here, but I I do need to make a point of this, and that is, coincidence or not, four of the officials from the NFC Championship game between the Saints and the Rams, four of the officials that were working for the NFL that day had connections to Southern California. Coincidence? Hmm. I don't think so, but obviously when you have a call... That we're still talking about two weeks later, the no pass interference, no whatever it was. It was basically a, almost it was a, it was almost a kidnapping is what it you know <laughs> what, it, what it wasn't, but uh, four game officials from that NFC championship game in New Orleans had Southern California ties. Coincidence or not? I don't know. Um, I do want to really real quick here, um, before we get out of here on this 298th episode of the program. Um, I want to switch gears, staying in the National Football League, but um, there are some other news and notes going on. And the big one seems to be, since the end of the Pittsburgh Steelers season, seems to be, and I think this is happening in Pittsburgh, very similar to what happened in Green Bay, in regard to a coach has been around for a long time, Maybe he's lost a little influence in the locker room. Maybe his voice isn't being heard anymore, and maybe they're screaming for change. But, you know, the Steelers have never been a, a franchise that's fired a coach. Bill Cowher quit. Before him, Chuck Noll quit. Um, there was a guy that coached the Steelers years ago, and I can't remember, but he, he he's passed on, but he used to live in, in Jack's subdivision in Las Vegas. He used to be an offensive coach, and his name was Bill Austin. He was on coach Lombardi's, coach Lombardi's staff back in the day in Green Bay, and then he was one guy that got fired as the coach of the Pittsburgh Steelers. This was before Chuck Knoll, and they were really bad. But my point here is, is that I'm getting a little tired of hearing about Antonio Brown and where he's going to play next year, and supposedly he's been talking to the greatest of all times, which in the receiver lingo is still Jerry Rice. And he's been talking to Jerry Rice about how he could possibly facilitate getting him to San Francisco. I don't know how Jerry Rice is going to get him to San Francisco. Maybe he can give him Jed York's phone number or something. But um, the Steelers seem to be a little bit of a fractured franchise. Le'Veon Bell sits out the whole year. I think that was a very calculated risk. And I appreciate Le'Veon Bell... You know, sticking to his guns, saying he wasn't gonna do this, and and then all of a sudden acquiesce at week ten so he gets that year of service. I respect Le'Veon Bell for sticking to his guns. But Steelers wide receiver Juju Smith Schuster says that the Steelers should, and I quote, keep both Antonio Brown and Le'Veon Bell and stop all the bullshit. End quote. To stop all the bullshit right now, I think in Pittsburgh that they would have to really look at a coaching change. Because supposedly there's friction between Brown and Roethlisberger. There's friction between, uh, obviously there's friction between uh, Tomlin and Antonio Brown. Because Brown sat out the uh, week 17 season ender. Where if the Steelers would have won, they would have maybe made the playoffs. Um, I just think, you know, we've seen it in Green Bay this year. 13 years of McCarthy was enough. Um, Tomlin is up there. Maybe he's even been in Pittsburgh longer. I don't know. Uh, depending on how long, from my the top of my head, I don't remember how long Bill Cowher has been out. But Tomlin was the replacement after Bill Cowher resigned. Um, I just think that if the Steelers really want to stop all the bullshit, they need a coaching change there. Because I think maybe what's happened in Green Bay maybe has happened in Pittsburgh as well. Mm-hmm.
1: This is a tough one, honestly. I mean, the Pittsburgh Steelers are the role model franchise yes. when it comes to coaching stability. I mean, this is this year, 2019, is the 50th anniversary of hiring of Chuck Knoll. Really? Right? 1969. Really? Right? That so- was
0: the year they drafted... First, they drafted Mean Joe Green, and then they got Elsie Greenwood, and they had an unbelievable draft. And you're absolutely
1: right. Yeah, well, that's a great point. And I mean, so now they are still on only their third coach since 1969. It's unbelievable. I mean, it's uh, I don't. That's something that most franchises can only dream of. I mean, Cleveland Browns have gone been through way more coaches than that this decade. I mean, it's 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 (laughs) it's, weak. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) So I mean, it's it's really hard to fault the Pittsburgh Steelers for coaching. I mean, that's crazy Mike Tomlin I don't know I mean he was great for a long time won a couple Super Bowls uh, you know it's only recently that it's, it's been this problem and it's really only a couple of guys so I think I would tend to maybe look at a couple of cancers in the locker room potentially Le'Veon Bell and Antonio Brown if you get rid of them is there really all this problem Antonio Brown if you remember. Uh, you know i think the first bad thing i heard about him was a couple of years ago when they had a private team meeting and he was taping it and putting right. it out on social media right. you know and that's just irresponsible so it just sounds like antonio brown and Le'Veon bell are being jackasses and i appreciate with bell like sticking to his guns and being principled and all that and and that was a huge risk he took and that's fine but it sounds like and even more than than bell though it's i think antonio brown might be the problem here maybe not mike tomlin Mike Tomlin, I coach. Yeah, with long-term tenure, was hired by an organization that prizes uh, long-term Longevity, stability over yeah. anything else. And I think that uh, I think I would put the blame more Antonio Brown. If you can trade him for a king's ransom, and you've already got Juju Smith-Schuster, who is a legitimate number one receiver in the NFL, I think you go for it. I mean, think of all the money they can free up by not signing Bell or Brown. You already have Smith Schuster. You always, like James Washington showed a lot. They've got a lot of guys who seems to step in and magically be great. They've got, I believe, pro football focus has the Pittsburgh Steelers O-line at number one in the league. And it's just, they've got so many good pieces. If you free up all the money you'd spend on Bell and Brown and you still have all these great players, it's like James Conner looked unbelievable this cool. year. Yeah. Smith Schuster was unbelievable this year. I mean, you don't need those guys. Like take a, take a bunch of first round picks and a bunch of, freed up money, and just get yourself in Super Bowl contention. You really don't need those guys. And set yourself for super, they can set themselves up for Super Bowl contention immediately and have a bunch of st- draft picks stockpiled. They can have everything just in, in great shape. The cupboard can be full, and they can win now. So I think you just, I'd trade them for, if you can get, I don't know what you can get for them. Could you get two or three first-round picks? Like, I don't know. What can you get for Antonio Brown? Well, I, I think you could probably get, you'd probably get a, uh, a number one well, and some sure. bodies. Yeah. I think yeah. You'd,
0: you'd, I don't know if you'd get, I don't know. He's a, he's a difference maker. There's no question about it, but now you've got to take into account his attitude. And, uh, you know, I don't know. I know you don't watch uh, silly little stupid uh, shows like I do, like, uh, but I've been watching this masked singer on Fox. <laughs> oh, it's dumb as hell. Stupid. Dumb as hell. But the first person they unmasked yeah. is Antonio Brown. Yeah, he's... So during the season, he skips out to LA yeah. because this was taped within a month and all the buys have been gone well, you know, well past a month ago. He skips out during the week, goes from Pittsburgh to Los Angeles to tape this silly sh- uh uh masked singer show and all of a sudden the first one kicked off and or demasked was Antonio Brown. So I wonder, I guess maybe my question to you is and it's got to be a question that that uh the Steelers organization and their ownership, the Rooney family, which is one of the great families of all National Football League ownership families, but they've got to be asking how much does Antonio Brown really want to play football anymore? I mean, he seems he he's done dancing with the stars. Now he was on this masked singer Um, I just think that Antonio wants to expand his horizons a little bit. And if the Steelers aren't going to allow him to do it, he's going to continue to act like a moron. I think,
1: I think it's going to be really tough, uh, for someone like a John Lynch in San Francisco to resist Uh, giving up whatever it takes to get an Antonio Brown. You get that superstar number one receiver to go with Jimmy Garoppolo. You got some other good pieces. You're building something quickly there. And uh, plus you've got an owner who's just, I mean, is the type of guy who would just like, oh yeah, sure. Just spend whatever to get this guy, right? Like, I mean, is there going to, you know, I think is the type of guy who's going to be uh uh, willing to overpay for somebody like an Antonio Brown. But I, I think it'd be really tough for John Lynch to give that up. I, th- I, I think you could get a couple first round picks out of him. I,
0: I, I, you know, probably, probably true, but, you know, I get a little, I'm getting, I get, I get just, I, I start giggling when I see this. Every so-called NFL beat writer that, that supposedly has, you know, that much of a brain in their head, they keep linking Antonio Brown Now, I know we've all heard San Francisco with him, but just this week, a number of different publications have suggested that you-know-who, my Green Bay Packers, Mm -hmm. should sign both Le'Veon Bell and trade for Antonio Brown. Well, how do you do that in this day and age and keep some semblance of a salary cap? Because the Packers have so many needs. You can't, you know... Supposedly the Packers are coming into the offseason with close to $50 million of salary cap space. If they get rid of pieces of crap like, well, that, they've already gotten rid of pieces of crap like Clay Matthews because his contract expired at the end of the year. But if they come into $50 million, but you bring on these two guys, that's going to take care of $50 million pretty damn quick. So it'll be interesting to see. Um, I I don't think Antonio Brown will play in, in Pittsburgh again. Uh, I think he'll be somewhere closer to los angeles or new york in regard to his next career which i think is obviously going to be something in the entertainment field and uh i just don't think that the steelers locker room can absorb another year of antonio brown in it that's just my personal feeling
1: yeah i think you're right with the green Bay packers there's no way that any team i don't think is going to sign both guys uh i i if i had to pick one for the Packers to go after it would be Bell. I think a dual threat, uh, really, really uh, noticeable running back like that would be a really great thing for Aaron Rodgers uh, in a number of different ways. And, and the thing is with Aaron Rodgers, you don't need an Antonio Brown. You just need guys that aren't the group of yahoos he had this year right well, I, I mean i think
0: the packers need to upgrade at wide receiver before running back they have the kid aaron jones and uh, jamal williams out of byu they are serviceable you can't have both of them and chris is absolutely right you cannot if you're the green bay packers and i don't want to go off on a tangent with them because they're not even playing right now but i i do need to make mention that you saw and people saw the green bay packers and they saw aaron rodgers' body language which was really strong throughout the year of receivers running the wrong routes and all this other stuff they took a gamble and missed horribly on the basically the jordy nelson for jimmy graham trade that ended up horribly and then you have the kid from notre dame and i'm not even going to try to pronounce his name brown is his last name i'll let you take care of the rest. Uh, oh equanimous, equanimous saint brown yeah, yeah brown yes. and uh the kid from uh south florida um Marquez, Sanchez, Valdez, Valdez, whatever, Gatling. yeah, you know, yada, yada, yada. Um, they do need an upgrade in their wide receiver core, I think, before they need to upgrade the running back position because the Packers are still, and especially with this new guy coming in who runs a variation of the McVay-Shanahan offense, which is another variance of the old West Coast offense. They brought in Nathaniel Hackett. His father, Paul, was very entrenched in the West Coast, they've got to be able to throw the ball. And they've got to have some guys that can catch the damn ball. And they've got to be able to have guys that can run the routes that Aaron Rodgers wants them to run. And everything will be good at 1265 Lombardi Avenue next year if they can find some capable wide receivers for Aaron Rodgers to throw to. And that'll take care of a lot of problems.
1: Yeah. My point was simply that if you had to make, out of running back and wide receiver, one of them you could get an elite guy. and I'm not disagreeing with yeah. you. I just
0: think... Of the two that everybody thinks that Green Bay should make a trade or acquire via free agency, the one that would probably benefit Green Bay more right now would be Antonio
1: Brown, because I think there's a bigger glaring hole at wide receiver than there is versus running back. But I'm just saying, I don't think you need to spend that much money on no, a receiver. I, yeah. yeah, because you know, you know who I picture would be absolutely perfect for Aaron Rodgers, would be Robert Woods of the LA Rams. That is exactly who he needs. You have a, you run great routes, great possession receiver, and I have to give the Rams credit there a lot because everybody criticized the shit out of yeah. them for yeah. that contract to Robert Woods. And frankly, even with how amazing he has been when he came out of Buffalo as a nobody with no great stats at all, I still think paying him $8 million a year times five was... I don't see why I still don't see why they had to do it maybe because the Rams are so bad at the time but now they're in a the Super Bowl but uh, I mean he has been worth every penny even though I still don't think you had to give him that much but I mean you, you need a good a, a reliable receiver like that maybe I don't know a Jameson Crowder or something like that like there are guys out there that are affordable and I think you know not that you could get Robert Woods now but you could have at the time very easily yeah. and these guys uh, these executives and these scouts with these big teams get paid a lot of money and you have to be able to find the Robert Woods out there. And then that's exactly who they need. Sign guys you can get cheap and give them to Aaron Rodgers, but they're competent. They're not just nobodies that he has to yell at in the middle of a regular season game on the field. So uh, if they want to go after Le'Veon Bell, I mean, that's an interesting thing. Uh, But I mean, I would certainly... Uh, worry more about that than some splashy big elite wide receiver because I don't think they need that they just need a good core of competent well uh, you know intelligent guys who can run routes and hold on to the ball and that's it and someone like a Robert Woods would be just perfect for Aaron Rodgers right now
0: we've got a run on this 298th episode of Unscripted with Mike and Chris as always we thank you for your joining us and hope that you continue to do so. Having said all that, for the executive producer of Unscripted, Mr. Chris Fluke, I'm Mike Jansen. Until next time.